Joe. And I'm Julie. Julie, I've been thinking about some things. Oh, no. Yeah, I know. <laughs> we're That's in trouble. Very dangerous. <laughs> it is. Um, and we, we are, we're only like a 30-minute show, Joe. So. Okay, yeah. I'll, okay. I'll keep it brief. A <laughs> okay. um, couple of things that, that I was thinking about since we've started this podcast is we have had the chance to meet some really amazing people. Very amazing. So, you know, kind of on a, on a selfish note, I'm loving this because we're getting, I'm getting to really meet some cool people. Same here, that I have not and, met before. Yeah, right? Some of the people I've known, but others are new to me. Every week I learn something new. Mm-hmm, definitely. I, I love that. Yeah. The other thing is that it's made me realize how many people you and I know. Oh, <laughs> that's kind of cool, isn't it? I mean, when we first started this, <laughs> before we even did our first podcast, we sat down and made a list of people we'd like to interview. Yeah. And it was a pretty yeah. impressive list. Now, I have to admit, you know way more people than oh, me. Oh, no, Because no. of that whole presidential no, award No, thing. no, no, no. So, but you go to a lot of places and meet a lot of, and you strike up these conversations. And then what is really amazing is that you stay in contact with these people. And that's very impressive. I develop try, that relationship. Yeah. yeah. I think that's so pretty as cool. a, as an introvert, mm-hmm. I've, I forced myself when I go new places to be an extrovert and to mm-hmm. meet people and, and have those conversations. And I've and met look some how rewarding it is. amazing yeah. people, which leads us to our guest today. Right. And not just, you know, these people are coming from all over the world. Yeah. So that's uh, pretty impressive. So yeah, to so our we, guest, we have a great guest today. She Michelle Guzman is from the Dominican Republic. Okay. And how did you? How did you? She grew up there. She went to school there. Uh-huh. She's back there working, and we're going to have a great conversation. We're going to learn a little bit about her. her. Can you tell us real quick about how you met her? Since we we're talking about all the people that we've met, or I have had the opportunity the last few years to visit the Dominican Republic every six months. I go down and and am working with a team that is helping the Episcopal schools in I that see. country I see. to to move forward with, with their plans with education. And, and a lot of that on my end involves technology. Right. Met Michelle through some of the people on our team, and she was kind enough to be a translator for me, which is... Oh, I bet I might, that was a poor thing. Yeah. I, I do. I hate that for her, but she was very kind about it and um, helped navigate me through. That's great. And she has a lot of experience in education, so this is this is going to be a great. Yeah, I'm looking to forward talk to talking her. to her. And and one of the reasons I wanted you to share that is because as for all the interesting people that we meet, it's just as interesting how we meet them. Oh yeah, there's so, a good story behind. Yeah, every there's usually encounter. a story. Yeah. yeah, behind everything. So, well, uh, let's, Michelle, let's meet Michelle. Thank you so much for agreeing to to talk with us today. Hi, thank you very much. Thank you for inviting me. It's an honor for me to be here. Thank you. We're on the Zoom today. That's right. She's uh, coming to us from the Dominican Republic, correct? Yes. Okay. Here I am in the Caribbean, kind of hot, <laughs> but <laughs> really, it's really lovely here. It's hot here, but it's that's, not the, the yeah, Caribbean. That's <laughs> nice, of you, nice of you to say kind of hot. Kind of hot. How hot is it, Michelle, really? Well, it's like, I don't know, 35 probably, but it gets worse in the summer. Yeah. So August is really, really hot. We can reach the 40s or something. Mm. I don't mind going down there in May. Not a big fan of going down in the summer. 
It is, um, it's humid yeah. here along the Gulf Coast, but it's nothing like it is. Probably another here. 10 degrees higher. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> well, thank you for joining us in the middle of summer. So we appreciate it. Of course, my pleasure. So, Michelle, as someone that is, is a native Dominican and went through K-12 schooling there, our, I would venture to say most of our listeners probably don't know a lot about um, the school system in the Dominican Republic. We would love to hear your experiences, if you don't mind sharing with us, about just going to school. Where did you go to school? What was it like uh, growing up there and, and going through the education system in the Dominican Republic? Awesome, yeah. So here, I grew up here, as you said, and in the Dominican Republic, as in many countries, we have different two systems, like the public and the private system. And I went to the private school since preschool. And I went to a traditional Catholic school. And I say traditional because it was more teacher center. And but the subjects that I was taught was most math, science, social studies. We also had some English classes, French. And I remember that I had wonderful teachers. I also made a lot of friends and had beautiful experiences back in school. But yeah, basically, that's what I remember. So we recently had a conversation with uh, Dr. Alex Martinez, who is in Mexico. And mm-hmm. one of the things that he talked about with education there is that the public schooling is not great. And so mm-hmm. if families can afford it at all, they try to send their, their children to a, a private school for the opportunity maybe to get a little bit better of an education is, is there any similarity there with between Mexico and, and the Dominican Republic in that regard? Totally, I will say so. Um, most parents that probably can't pay for school, they for a private school, they prefer to do so because the public system is not as strong at, or in, and, it, and its quality is not as strong as it's supposed to be. But I have to recognize that in the recent years, in the last decade, there have been a lot of efforts to try to improve education here in the Dominican Republic, which I can go deep uh, with that just a little bit further. That was something that I was hoping that you would talk about. So uh, a few years ago, like you said, maybe in the last decade, some significant changes have been made in terms of, I guess, how the government is approaching public education. Yeah, please uh, talk about that a little bit. Absolutely. In 2012, there were a lot of protests because the investment that the government was doing in education was really low. So the protest was um, wanted it to be 4% of the investment in education. So we can build more schools, we can have more resources for students, we can have quality in the professional development for teachers, and we can also um, improve the the programs for future teachers and so we achieved that in 2012 and we got this for this four percent of investment and some of the changes is new schools um, a lot of um, professional development for teachers 
also the standards for teachers to enroll to the career of education have been um, improved. They are higher, they have to take tests because before it was more like, oh, I don't know what to study. Okay, go study education. And so everyone can, you know, had to enroll at career just because they didn't have anything to do. So the results were um, showed in the in our students and the quality of the education that they were receiving. So those standards were are high now, higher. And um, also we have, uh, we improved the plan for food because they only had breakfast before. And so nutrition is also a component that is important in this whole process of education. Absolutely. And now, yeah, and now we also have launched for students and um, they also have after school programs. So the school has some, ha offers some other activities for the students, not only the ones that they were just um, used to have, so it's just the basic is what I mean. And um, yeah, basically all, all the universities also have, tr have been trying to standardize the programs that they have in education. Sorry about that. I don't know. Um, they have been trying to standardize the program so everyone receives the same education as future teachers. Um, so yeah, there have been a lot of efforts that the government is trying to do to improve education in the Dominican Republic. Still, there's a long journey for us to, to you know, to have a long by. way to go. Mm -hmm. Yeah. In, but in what way? What do you see is needed? Absolutely. And Just there's more improvements and, on what they're doing. Exactly. There are more improvements in what we're doing because, you know, that changes in education also take time. And even thought we have been doing this efforts there's, we need time to see the results of these changes because evaluations, international evaluations, such as PISA, for instance, doesn't show it yet because the students that are taking those exams are probably not the ones that are, have been benefited with this new, new changes. Another thing was the curriculum. The curriculum was um, changed into a competency-based curriculum because it was more content-based before. So Michelle, could you paint us a picture of um, the school and the student population? Because you were talking about how they benefited or would not benefit. So I kind of want a picture of the type of students you have, the, the demographics um, in the Dominican Republic, in those schools. Well, yeah, we have different realities, let's say, in Santo Domingo, which is the main city of Dominican Republic. Um, the access to different, I don't know, resources, maybe as Wi-Fi or um, other commodities. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry, I don't know if I'm, if I'm spelling right. it right. Yeah, but so. yeah, it's different from the ones that live in some other places, rural areas in the Dominican Republic that probably don't have access to running water, for instance, that it's something so necessary and basic for human living. Um, so those are one of the, I will say, challenges that we faced. And here in the crisis, we kind of saw it a little bit in the bigger picture. So that's 
um, while we also came up with some ideas to get there to those communities that have limited access to internet, to running water, to electricity. Mm -hmm. How can they do that? Um, some of the things that we did, I mean, not we, but the Ministry of Education was probably um, with radio, just classes through radio so they can, you know, continue with their studies with um, this. Well, that's interesting. I know here we used uh, television. So I guess radio was a more um, inclusive way for everyone yes, to hear. We, mm -hmm. to we also have the television as a resource here, but some probably don't have electricity, you know? Right. So it's like you have to have different um, opportunities for them to reach Right. So they can have access to education. But yes, the realities here are really different. Some have some um, better, I don't know, very right. privileges than the others. So it's it's something that we see here. That was uh, something that I've, I've noticed in, in my time there is that in some schools that we go work in, most of the kids have a cell phone. And in other schools that we work in, like you said, there's the homes have no running water and that kind of thing. So I was, I was very interested in how the schools were trying to deal with uh, the pandemic when, when the schools had to shut down. I think the use of radio is brilliant. Um, that's pulling back out some, some old technology, but very reliable technology. And what a great way to still try to continue to, to reach the students. My guess is that Maybe radio and then also just uh, printed printed material, books maybe, or, or workbooks, that kind of thing? Yes, that also was um, a resource that we used. As I mentioned, since the schools provide lunch for the students, once the pandemic was, you know, announced and the schools closed, the school still had to provide lunch for, for the families and for the students. So they decided like once a week, they will give this box with the, the food for the family. And schools took advantage of this visit from parents to school to give them some printed materials in case they didn't have access to Wi-Fi or, um, yeah, or Internet, I will say. It's mm -hmm. a great idea. It's a good, good way to reach out to them. Mm -hmm. uh, one thing I'm, I'm curious about is you mentioned that you were taught some English and French in school, but you speak English very well. Did you have some additional training in English or is that something, and, and leading into that as well, is teaching English something that the the public schools are doing as well? Public schools have English, teach English and French, but their programs are basic. Something that is in project, it's to expand, you know, to strengthen this programs in English, basically, more than, than French. Um, but still, the ones that we're having today are very, are very basic. Still, in private schools, are basic. Um, but we here in the Dominican Republic have a lot of bilingual schools too. Now, 
students that go to bilingual schools have a different experience because all the classes are talked in English and they just have Spanish class in Spanish, which maybe will be language arts because it's grammar and all of that in Spanish. So um, those that go to, the, to a bilingual school speak more fluent. In my case, I went to an English institute. I used to go every Saturday, like for four years or three, I don't remember. And there I learned, but I, I didn't feel like I really learned English. And still, I think that I'm learning. It's an endless process. But I started then teaching English just to practice English because at home, my parents don't speak English and I don't have brothers and sisters or someone to practice with. So that's why I thought like, I can, I can, I can teach and I'll keep practicing English so I won't forget. And that's how I also like enter to the world of teaching and never wanted to leave it. That's great. I did not know that That's about a, you, that yeah. you had had to had to drudge off to English class every Saturday. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, and that's really common here. Like, if you go to a traditional school as the one that I went, which mostly are just the, talked in Spanish, all the subjects are talked in Spanish. What parents do is that they enroll their their children in an English institute. There are some here that are known, so just that's how we learn. If you don't go to a bilingual school, that's how you lo- you learn English in the Dominican Republic. But then after you graduated, you I guess did you attend university in the Dominican Republic? I, I, because I know you got your master's degree from the University of Nebraska in uh, in Lincoln. So I was hoping you could tell us a little bit about university life and then how did you end up uh, coming to Nebraska? And then back to the Dominican. And then back to the Dominican, yeah. yeah. (laughs) Awesome. Yes, I did my my, my bachelor here in the Dominican Republic. I'm an early childhood educator. And um, I went to university here. And at the same time, like the first semester, I started school. In the university, I also started working in a school. So I was a teacher aide in preschool. And that was amazing. Like here, everyone that studies education has that opportunity to study and work at the same time as a teacher aide in some preschool or school or elementary school, or it depends in the, like your focus. And I had, I think that that's a privilege because what I was learning at the university, I kind of was putting it in practice and also learning from a mentor, which was the senior teacher. I don't know if you call it senior teacher there, but like the head teacher. Mm -hmm. And it was an amazing experience. And I think that that helped a lot in my process of becoming a teacher. Um, So So then then you went to Nebraska. Then you went to Nebraska? Well, yes. Well, before going to Nebraska, I did a master's degree here in school's leadership. And then I went to Nebraska. And when I went there, it was amazing to see how school was overseas. I really valued um, the wonderful teachers I had and the advantages that the students have there. Because here, um, I remember that when I was doing my 
thesis, I had to go to the library, read a lot of books and stuff, but I didn't have access to a lot of academic papers. But I remember that there in, in, in Nebraska University, I had access to all of that. And I have different places, like the university had um, different layouts for students to study, to concentrate, and to work. And we probably don't have all those spaces here in the university. Most of um, Dominican studies in cafes, but that's something new because what we usually do is that we study, we study at home. Like the university is not considered as a place to study. Um, but there in the United States, I, I, know, I, know, I noticed that, that the university was the perfect place to study. And there were a lot of layouts for you to just sit with your computer and produce your work. That's really interesting. It's a fascinating I, difference. I had yeah. no idea yeah, that that would be so different. Right. And I, I get, we just take for granted that at our universities, we have huge libraries that have mm -hmm. lots of space for studying. And and it was similar when you went to Monterey, too. Yes, yes. So I would say so, too. Yes, so, the University of Monterey so was, was similar. On the island, that. it's a little different. Yeah, it's that's just a little different. Yeah, and we, we have the libraries, but like students don't go unless they're working on their thesis. Mm -hmm. If they're working on it, then they go to the library. But if it's regular work, you work at home. Oh, that's interesting. <laughs> so talk yeah. to us about after you finished Nebraska. And again, I had no idea you had two master's degrees. I'm just, I'm always impressed. She's so impressed. I mean, <laughs> we're, we're, we, we get to see her on the Zoom. I'm thinking she's 25, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like a genius <laughs> two master's degrees you one of them at the university of nebraska so you come back to the dominican republic and then what type of work do you do because didn't you go to work for the ministry for a while when you came yes back? i worked mm -hmm. i worked in the ministry of education for almost a year and there was a, what I was doing is like a following up all the progress that the Ministry of Education was doing with 10 of the policies. You know, I, as I mentioned before, like we are doing different efforts to improve education. So then by that time, the Ministry of Education placed 10 policies to prioritize. And I used to follow up with the process and the progress of this implementation of policies. But then um, I, I started working as an ally to the Ministry of Education in Inicia Educación, which is a foundation that invests in education with the same aim, like improve educate quality in education in the Dominican Republic and grant access for everyone to education as well. So, so Sorry, you, you had a ally. question? Yeah, you said ally. Now, when you said an ally, what, an ally for, I, I wasn't, could you clarify that? I wasn't sure what that meant. Well, I don't know if I'm pronouncing it well, but uh -huh. what I meant is that we we work with the Ministry of Education. Like, what do you need? Oh, I need uh, to, to I teach teachers to with professional development programs in okay. this area. So we say, oh, we can help. I have this program. So we offer this program for free for you. So you work so, for the foundation that, and then liaison with the Ministry of Education. Okay. I think I'm mm -hmm. clear on that now. Okay, thank you. 
<laughs> yeah. What kinds of things have you done um, so that the, you know, the ministry says we need help with this or the schools say we need help with this? What kinds of, of programs have you been involved in since you've been working with the foundation? Well, I think that one of the most I can talk about is now with the pandemia, with the crisis, schools closed, and we were really involved in this plan of contingency to, for schools. So we kind of place what we have. We have this platform, which is called IQ, or Inteligencia Quisqueya, which is a, a website and also an app for, for iPads and smartphones that students from high school can study for their for to prepare for their exams before enrolling to the university do you know as the SAT I think that in the United States is the one that you take so here we have pruebas nacionales so the students use this app to get ready for that exam so since that app had a lot of content from different grades in high school so we kind of classified those contest content, like this is for ninth grade, this is for 10th grade and 11th and 12th. So students from that, are, that were in, in ninth grade, they had the chance to continue studying with that material if they had access to the internet. But we also printed that material and provided to school so they can um, give it to parents at the moment that they went to pick up lunch, as I mentioned before. Um, that's one thing that we did. Also, we have this project with early childhood, which in the Dominican Republic, we have like 21 model schools, I will say, that are preschool. So teachers that are um, future teachers go there to do their practicums because in those schools is where the best practices are going on. But still, that's um, a project that it's in process and it's growing. So from that project, what we did is kind of prepared a lot of activities for the preschoolers. Um, and we prepared like a guide and also a box with some materials to give parents so they can continue doing some activities that enhance their different skills at home. Um, yeah, that's something that we did. And we also are getting ready IQ, the Inteligencia Quisqueya I mentioned before, for elementary school because we only have it for high school in the meantime. So we're getting ready for elementary. So is the preschool, the model schools for the preschools, is that something new, um, you know, with uh, an emphasis on the early ed and, and P3 to have these well, schools or have they been in place for a while? Well, that was a project with some other organization that mm -hmm. they built this 21 schools around the, the mm -hmm. island, like mm -hmm. they are everywhere in the island. And it was in 2004. Okay. So it ran like for a couple of years, but then it stopped. So the Ministry of Education told us, oh, like, we have this and it's, it's not running, so how can we help? How can you help us? And there we came up and we um, are now taking that project and trying to really 
turn those schools in what they are, like they are models of good practices. So teachers from schools around, mm -hmm. they can go there, they can, they can visit and um, see those best practices so they can implement it in their classrooms too. And that. also mm -hmm. those future teachers that are studying in the university can go there to do their practicum um, in those schools. And then they can see the innovative things during their practicum. So that's great. That's really great. Exactly. And the work that you're doing with the foundation is not just for the, say, for Santo Domingo. You're working with schools all across the country? Yes. Well, for instance, IQ, it's available for all across the country. This one from early childhood education, too. We have another one that, because we also provide a lot of programs for teachers' development, that it's also available for all, our, all teachers around the Dominican Republic. Um, we have programs in teach, teachers' um, leadership, no, in leadership, mm -hmm. we also, uh -huh, um, in competencies, because as I mentioned, the new curriculum is competency-based, so we are also teaching teachers how to implement this competencies, how to teach in this um in this way in their classroom. So we have different programs too, and they go everywhere. That, that seems like for the foundation, that, that's a really big undertaking to do all of that for the public schools throughout the country. And it's down, it's at preschool from beginning to getting to ready for college. Training, yeah. And training and teachers And training well. teachers, yeah. So that, yeah. that must be a, a, broad. a, that foundation must be significant to be able to, to do that. I feel really privileged to be here. And now, because you know that Latin America, even though there are many countries in Latin America, our realities in education are kind of similar, as you were saying, like, oh, in Mexico, it was similar. Yes, that's true. So that's why we also trying to expand to the northern part of Latin America with countries such as Colombia, Ecuador, um, Peru, so we're trying to take these programs to teach teachers there too. And also we have this initiative, which is called the coalition, the Latin America coalition. And there are around 12 countries um, working there. And what we want is just to elevate the quality of teachers and also the working conditions for teachers. Because in Latin America, as in the Dominican Republic, um, there are teachers that teach in really vulnerable um, realities. Like, as I was mentioning, they had no resources. They didn't have elect electricity um, or probably running water. So how can we help to come up with solutions so we can give those solutions to the decision makers to see if some changes um, are seen in the future? Right. How to address those. Mm-hmm. I'm just amazed at the journey that you've taken, and now you're in a position, wow, I mean, to really be helping make some significant changes. I just think that what a neat and, and fascinating job you must have. Um, and, and I know, I guess, too, that you probably feel a lot of sense of responsibility out of how yeah. to help guide this and, and direct, because... That affects so many people, um, but what what an amazing job it is. to have. Um, we talk a lot about impact 
of educators and yeah. other people who have an impact on education. And through this foundation, you're having an impact not only on the Dominican Republic, but the future, like you said, in Latin America and in other countries. And so that's a broad um, geographic. It is. Uh, <laughs> yes. That's something broad to take on. I mean, that's big. That's really big. Normally, that's a lot big. of impact. Yes. Normally, we it, towards the end of the interview, we'll, we'll talk to our, our guests about what you see coming in the future. And you've already talked so much to that in the sense of because of what the pandemic has done, there has, there's had to be so much innovation and forward thinking in how do we make these accommodations. But now you're already thinking in terms of how we, how we can move forward and, and apply these innovations in other countries as well. Right. Um, it's just mm-hmm. so impressive. If, if, if you could, though, if we asked you, what do you think is next? What do you see coming? Uh, what would you say or what would you like to see? Well, I would like to see that the gap of inequity in education is closed. Like having this same privileges of education to everyone in the world, not only in the Dominican Republic, but around the world. And now with the pandemic, I think that we kind of saw saw that gap even wider. So I think that's what I wish education will be like in the future. And I think that with some um, actions that we take just as us human beings, whatever you are, you are the university, me at Inis Educación, like everyone taking just one step, I think we can, we can make it. We can make it happen. It's going to take time. We need to be patient, but it's possible. What a beautiful statement. Absolutely. <laughs> That's a great mission. That's a great mission, Michelle. It is. It is. It has been a delight to have the chance to talk with you today. Uh, thank you so much for, for taking the time. And I know that uh, you are having to work from home like so many people. So <laughs> yes. Thank your parents for uh, letting us uh, come into their, their house to talk with you. Thank you so much. We've enjoyed this conversation. Thank you for inviting me. It was really nice talking to you, and we can do it again if you want. Awesome. <laughs> that would be great. <laughs> that would be great. Well, and for those of you listening, thanks so much for tuning in, and be sure to join us next time as Julie and I continue to explore What's, what's Next, next in Ed. Don't forget to subscribe. If you like what you heard, please rate and review this podcast so others can find us. The Next in Ed podcast is brought to you by the Mobile County Public Schools IT Department in partnership with the Department of Counseling and Instructional Sciences at the University of South Alabama. Engineered by Tim VP Media Production. Music by Justin Matthews. Hosted by Dr. Joe Gaston and Julie Neidhart. Follow us on Twitter at NextInEd and on Facebook. Guests on the podcast are expressing personal opinions for informational purposes only. They are not necessarily acting as official representatives for their schools, universities, organizations, or places of employment. Copyright 2020. All rights reserved.